This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. How's the lockdown going? How's Jack doing, Good. not going to school? Jack is very happy not going to school, um, and I'm quite relaxed as a homeschool parent uh jack will be cooking the dinner tonight and uh, i'm trying to get him to cook at least once a day so i feel like this is a good opportunity to really start um teaching the life skills i think and gosh he's nearly 12 it's time he started doing more yeah he does lots of cooking doesn't he yeah he does (laughs) (laughs) and he's actually really useful hangs the washing out weeds the garden (laughs) I'm trying to sound like at least I'm doing something. Actually, it's just life is normal for us, only we don't have to get up early. It's great. And who are we introducing today? It is my very great pleasure to introduce today Rosemary Sloman. Um, Rosemary is the Executive Officer of the Eastern Bay Community Foundation. She's a champion for all things uh, local food and just food around the country. She's a champion for local business and just our people generally in this community. Um, I've known Rosemary for, for many years now, and, and she's been championed for me many times as well. So it's a pleasure to have you here, Rosemary. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks, Mawera. It's, um, it's lovely to be able to connect with other people in these uh, difficult times. Welcome, Rosemary. So I was going to say, how was your lockdown? How was your bubble life? But of course, that's now complicated by the fact that there's been more than one. So let's go for the how was the bubble life 1.0, the the first version, the big one. The first version, well, we didn't quite know what to expect. And I guess if I'm going to be really honest, it was um, a, nice, a nice breath of fresh air. Um, it was at the time when my garden had finished producing all of its summer excess. So I was hard out filling up jars with all sorts of chutneys and pickles and jams and, um, you know, harvesting the garden, uh, you know, making lots of things to give away, etc. I think I had my whole street making lockdown apple cake and they got a, um, a brown paper bag of Granny Smith apples in their letterbox every morning <laughs> with a recipe. So, yeah, it was great. I, I, I actually think it was a bit stressful on the work front because I couldn't get out uh, to the people that I needed to get to. But from a, a perspective, it was just nice to stop and breathe and create and just be. Was it, That was actually awesome. This time, it's a little bit different. Why is that? Well, unexpected. Um, you know, it came out of the blue and... It's a bit scary this time. Um, And, yeah, um, I had a few things on the horizon that I put a lot of work into that probably now won't be able to happen in the time frame and space that we'd first uh, envisaged those things happening. So, yeah, a bit harder. Although we're probably more used to the notion that things that we've organised over the last few months... Do you think we've become more accepting of the fact that they might not happen? Or does it still have a huge impact when they don't? Um, well, I think in the Bay of Plenty, we'd been a cushioned from that a little bit. You know, we weren't a major city like Auckland that had had a couple of threats to their 
community safety. Um, I, I think we got a bit complacent and thought, you know, we've got the sun, we've got the beach, we've got, you know, our, our town, our community, and and we were a little bit a little bit remote from all of that. But now Delta's found its way to paradise. Absolutely, yeah. And I, for one, was one of the ones in the lineup for testing on Wednesday because I had a phone call from my last client on Tuesday to say she'd been in the cafe in Coromandel on Friday night and I probably needed to get a test. So I did the right thing, king and country and all that. Um, but yeah, it just brought it close to home that all of the connections that we have uh, affect us without us ever really knowing. Yeah, I think that they, this time round, because the numbers are so much higher, it's really showing how connected that social network is. Not the, not the social network online, but the, the real social network. Absolutely. And the connections that you don't even know that you've had. That's the scary bit. We can all probably, you know, write down on a piece of paper, I saw this person, I went to this place, et cetera, et cetera. But all of the other um, dots that also are in those same places at same times, et cetera, just shows you how, how small our community really is. Mawera introduced you as having a long list of things. How are all <laughs> those things going during lockdown? What, what's, what's the... Do you consider one of them to be the, your, your main work? I do. Um, my work with the Community Foundation really is about encouraging generosity in the Eastern Bay. Um, and I see that personally as a, a way to right some social inequity and to, for, to encourage other people to support charities that do essential work. Um, I think the divide in our country is getting wider. Home ownership now is just a dream for a lot of people. Um, and that's been fractured by property wealth. You know, the haves and the have-nots, that divide is just getting wider and wider. So my work with the foundation uh, allows probably uh, baby boomers, who are probably going to transfer the biggest wealth in generations, to community causes that are going to make a difference for a long, long time. You know, the people I am really um, encouraged by have a strong interest to build a thriving community and to leave something that's going to encourage uh, people to continue with education, to um, strengthen the fragile natural environment that we have around us, to um, promote excellence in the arts, um, to support vulnerable people. And I'm just really blessed that every day I meet generous New Zealanders who share their time, skills, and their wealth. And they're not the Graham Hearts of New Zealand. They're people who've scrimped and saved and are really uh, focused on leaving behind something that marks their life in this earth. And it's a real privilege to walk alongside some of those people and to listen to their stories and their find out their why. Why do they want to do this? It's a really um, uplifting role to have in the community. And how do you, do, do, do you aim for things that are going to actually make that that system change, that make a real difference, not just be a, a, a you know, whitewashing over stuff? Well, when I sit down with people, one of the first things I do is I listen to what their passions are. What are the things that have either given them a hand up in the community? You know, perhaps they were a child of the 30s, they'd gone through a depression, you know, their family's grown up and gone, they've made sure their family's okay. And then, then they think back and they think, what are the things that really pushed my buttons? What are the things that worked for me? what's happening in our world now that I can make an actual difference to. And with a community foundation, you're not just giving a handout. You're actually looking at ways to make long-term impacts, impactful change over a long period of time. Um, you know, there are, there are adults in our community that can't read. You know, that, that's, that's a, that should be a national shame, actually. Um, 
and putting in place mechanisms through people's generosity to make some of those barriers to life a little less difficult is, is something where I can encourage someone who has a passion in that way to make that kind of difference. Because a government can't fund everything. You know, this is, this is about community joining hands and making a real difference. And that making a difference might be in areas where yourself or you, you might not have gone down that road or you, no. you might feel quite uncomfortable in that space, but you're making a difference to, 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 to people who you probably haven't met. That's right. That's right. And because the foundation model works on a per perpetual fund basis, it's something that's a legacy that goes on and on for generations. Um, just the, the fact that, that, you know, whatever they give us, we only ever spend the interest. And so that continues to grow. And as it grows, they can make a bigger difference. And other people can add to that. And I think that's one of the most encouraging things. I've recently had people that have said, I don't want my name in lights. Let me have a look at what you're doing. And I'll add a bit to this and a bit to that and a bit to the other, because I know that by doing that, you can do more. And, and that's great. That's, that's fantastic. I mean, personally, I've always been a community volunteer. And one of the things I've done is create a legacy that will make uh, organisations that use volunteers. Uh, and let's face it, you know, every time we face a disaster in this area, we need volunteers. We need the people in the ambulance. We need the people in the fire truck. We need, you know, people that roll up their sleeves, get out there and they do stuff. Um, even if it's sitting with the sick and dying, we need those volunteers. And so when I was really thinking about what would be the difference I would like to leave behind, it's an ability to support volunteers, to recruit, train and reward volunteers in our community. Because that's something that I, that's really close to my heart. And, you know, when the chips are down, we really need those people big time. So that was something that I thought, well, you know, I can walk the walk, but um, talk the talk and all of that, but I've actually got to do it as well. So, so that's something that I've created um, that can happen. It's happening now, but it's going to happen even more when I'm not here anymore. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a great um, it's a great way to demonstrate a community holding hands. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have the Furies Red Rose Cafe. Why this one? I'm a real fan of Irish music. I've probably been to, I was introduced to the Furies in Melbourne. Um, I've been to probably five of their concerts. They're always fun. Um, I'm not sure that they're touring anymore, but when I need a bit of a lift, I love it. And the song talks about um, being in Amsterdam. And now that I've been there and uh, I can picture exactly um, what it's like. It's just a song that really lifts my heart. So there you go. They come from the farms and the factories too, and they all soon forget who they are. The cares of today are soon washed away as they sit at a stool by the barn. The girl with green eyes in the Rolling Stone shirt. Doesn't look like she walks on the land The man at the end He's a very good friend Of a man who sells cars second hand Down at the Red Rose Cafe In the Harbour There by the port Just outside Amsterdam Everyone shares in the songs and the laughter. Everyone there is so happy to be there. The salesman relaxed with a few pints of beer and he tried not to speak about trade. 
The poet won't write any verses tonight He may sing a sweet serenade So pull off a chain and forget about life It's a good thing to do now and then And if you like it, Pete, I have an idea Tomorrow, let's all meet again Down at the Red Rose Cafe In the harbor There by the port just outside Amsterdam Everyone shares in the songs and the Rosemary, um, you have made a substantial contribution to our community, especially in the philanthropic and volunteer space over the years. And it was quite cool before to hear you talking about the impact. And I just, I see a lot of people looking for funding for various things at the moment. And it seems to me that people are moving away from going to the community for funding like the the sausage sizzles and stuff like that and um and just you know going to funders for everything which is kind of sad because that's not the impact stuff how do we move philanthropy to this real solid impact model and start addressing some of those real major issues that are happening in our community that's a real hard one and um, particularly in our community we've got uh, we count ourselves as one of the funders, although we're the, probably the baby on the block. But if you look at um, the likes of Bay Trust and uh, Horizon um, Energy Trust, um, I think smaller charities still need to have a visibility. So those sausage sizzles and things are still really, really important because otherwise it's very easy for a group to be forgotten. And as we move more and more to a cashless society, everyone's moving to the online applications for this lot of funding and that lot of funding. It's become very highbrow. Um, you have to know the right words to use when you're putting in funding applications for projects and things like that. Money's getting harder to, to come by. Um, I still like to see that visibility in the community. Um, because you never know if that translates into a greater um, contribution by, by members of the community at a later date. You know, I think visibility is really, really important and an opportunity for a charity or a community group fundraising, whether it's, um, you know, the ATC or, you know, a scout group. I think that visibility is important because it's a little bit about the fabric of our community, the tapestry that makes up who we are. Um, yeah, it, it, it's that's a hard question. Um, 
And I see that some charities now have people who are professionally employed and that's all they do is fill out funding applications. And so it takes it away from being local and puts it more on the national stage in terms of, you know, how they acquire the means to continue with the work that they do. A community foundation really looks local. We encourage our people to give locally because we live locally. So having that um, connection between the charities around us and the community groups around us and the schools and educational institutes around us, the artists amongst us, it's really important that we still keep that connection. Well, so important. And it's through that connection that people um, learn about these different organisations that operate. We're, we're losing people to service organisations as those organisations are hiding more and more behind um, Facebook pages and professional fundraisers yeah. and and not actually out there in the community giving yeah. other people the opportunity to engage. Well, I think we're bombarded all the time now with, um, you know, online images and things like that, which that in itself is uh, reducing or cutting out a section of the community that still are not digital citizens. And I'm, mm. I'm very aware of that particularly in the senior space or for those whose education hasn't been um, as fulfilling, you know, they haven't come out with an inquiring mind and a need to go further. They're content with their lot. Um, you know, a mobile phone's a big thing, but they, they don't take it any further than that. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? We, we as, as this generation that has got that level of digital connectedness take for granted digital connectedness but how many people didn't receive that alert the other day because they don't have a cell phone absolutely how many of our older folk or even our older folk who do have a cell phone who all of a sudden that phone started making a horrendous noise that i've never heard before and they didn't know what to do yes yeah yeah we're, um, we're making a lot of assumptions along the way and i i feel particularly with things like banking and things, it's just going too fast for them. Yeah. You know, in our own community, having, a, a you know, reduced banking services in our outlying communities. You know, look at a portiki who um, up and coming with um, a very high uh, wealth base, um, they have to do their banking out of town or online. You know, there is, there's no other way. Um, and I remember years ago when, when the post office closed in Tikaha and it was the equivalent of asking people in Fakatani to travel to Tauranga to get their pension or do their banking. Um, yeah. It's just the close down of those communities. I just hope that we can see the light and that we can go back to having some kind of trust and investment back into those communities. After all, the banks have done fairly well out of us. If we don't, then we continue to put our elder folk at risk. And I noticed that um, just in, uh, about maybe a couple of months ago, uh, I ran a digital safety class for some older folk in Kaurau. Yes. And what really alarmed me was I'm sitting there and I'm saying, okay, log into your internet banking and they just say oh no my passwords and i go oh don't tell me that you are not allowed to tell anybody that and yes. but um but at the end of that day i had heard everybody's password to every account they have and and they tell their grandchildren or their grandchildren set it up for them yes and they're the, unaware yeah and it really alarmed me that they just that people don't realise how um, how insecure they become when they give that bit of information away. Oh, look, I've had a couple of people in my role as a JP come to me um, who who trust me, and you know uh, it, it's a really difficult space to be in, um, mm. but I can see that they don't have another avenue, um, and so. You know, you're taking on that mantle and you're taking on that responsibility to help them through a really tough time. Um, and I, I really don't think it's been done in commercial interests, but 
the fallout hasn't really totally been considered. Mm. Yeah, that, that's that's a really sad thing. It is. Or maybe it has been considered, but it's just collateral damage as we move into a new future because it, someone must have figured that this was going to be the outcome, but a line has to be drawn in the sand. From here, we do this and and we try and fix up those problems as we go. It's, you know, at what at what point do you say, right from now on, we are a digital service, money becomes digital. Yeah. I, I hear you, Marweta. You're probably too young to remember the day that we converted to decimal currency. And, um, you know, we woke up one day, a shilling became 10 cents. And um, we adapted because we didn't have a choice. From midnight one day and then the next day, you know, we were all, but, but we were a cash-based society at that time. It, the divide wasn't so big. We all thought we'd been hard done by having, you know, 12 pennies go to 10 cents. But, you know, we adapted because we had to. And I hear you. Um, I think this is a little bit bigger. It touches a lot more areas of people's lives. I agree. It's, um, yeah. We could do have done it better. We do adapt so well. Um, like, uh, it, to me, it just seems odd now that we ever had plastic bags in the supermarket. I just actually can't even imagine having a plastic bag anymore or the angst around not having a plastic bag anymore. Oh, look, there's so many changes. You think about seatbelts and cars and baby <laughs> seats and cycle helmets. And, yeah, we're adapting and, you know, we're becoming that safer, cushioned society. Um in, in our country anyway, but um, around the world, things are a little bit different. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi arahanui hi koutou, ko tāhuahau. I hope you're all happy to stay with the Super Snivered Universes, and I really hope either you are, this journey all on together. It's proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, the triumph of nature's art, perfect, making things better. Thank you. So I know for all of us who've been through this very trying time and we still are having to move through so many obstacles and also obstacles arise in our life for so many different reasons and each time they do, we're really challenged to reframe them as opportunities for growth and as much as this may sound trite I believe it's true that when these aspects of our lives that we thought would remain the same shift and change suddenly around us it does force us to alter how we were going to move forward we have to adapt we have to problem solve and for me, this was one of the things I love about us as a species, that innately we have this capability that when things suddenly change, we can find strategies to make things work under new conditions. I know that for me, so much has changed since this COVID-19 global pandemic began in terms of my work at my beloved heart's home, Orokanui Eco Sanctuary. And I have had to do things differently. But this, of course, means, again, lots of new skills have come forward. Working with schools online, working with the community online. And these are ways that we can reach with a much larger audience. It may not have the same feeling of immediacy and connection as working in real life with beautiful people. But, of course, it's still in real life. It's just a few more metres of separation. <laughs> So I really hope for you, whatever has shifted and changed and whatever obstacles you are feeling are arising in your path, you are able to reframe them as opportunities for growth and see which new aspects of you are coming forward. I know for all of us as well, this is a time of grieving. We're grieving for the lives that we've lost. We're grieving for the life aspects that we have lost, those things that we really took for granted that we thought would never change or we couldn't imagine changing. Of course have in so many profound ways. Even just the ability to go to the sea, which I love. Of course we can't do that right now. I can still see the sea from my house, which is wonderful. And I'm so grateful for that. But being able to go and hear the sea and 
look closely at the waves coming into shore, even go and have a wee paddle or a wee dip in the sea. These options are barred from me at the moment. So when we are separated from what we love, when we are restricted, when we are mourning the loss of things in our lives, of course this makes us appreciate them so much more. And this can serve as a reminder, of course, that at any time things can change. So if we can make the most of what we have, if we can really feel a sense of deep appreciation for all of those things in our lives that we have, how much better we can really enjoy all of them and our ability to connect with them, our own skills, connection and appreciation. So I really hope for you today you have the opportunity to appreciate who you are, your health, your vitality, your loved ones around you and your ability to conceptualise things in so many different ways whenever you need to. And I'll look forward to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Rosemary Sloman. Rosemary, Mawera said at the introduction that you're a champion for local food and put entries into the Wild Food Festival. I've always been a foodie. Um, and yes, I have put entries into the Wild Food Festival. I've also been lucky enough to travel a couple of years ago to the Chatham Islands to be a judge for the Wild Food Festival on the Chatham Islands as well and have really nurtured a really wonderful relationship with uh, some of the people on the Chathams and the work that they do. And that's been a, a real bonus of being involved with wild food. Um, I'm a bit of a forager. I have a son who, living in Dublin, he's um, lived through some major lockdown time in the last 12 months, and he's got by by foraging. Um, I think I've taught him well. <laughs> and he's probably taught me a few things too. Um, why do I, my interest in food has been prob probably since I was knee high. Um, and I've been involved in the catering industry. Um, love getting people around the table and nurturing people uh, through sharing food and, um, yeah, and, and actually upskilling people. A couple of years ago, I um, ran a program through our Pofakaro here. Uh, which was um, for dads and lads, because I realised that quite often fathers who had their children on alternate weekends would spend an awful lot of money on takeaway food and, you know, the food would be often eaten by the time the kids got home and then there was all this space and they weren't connecting. So I put together a programme over six weeks and took them from basic skills right through to making things like a Thai curry from scratch. Um, and what happened over that time was not only did their skill base grow, um, the dads had more money in their wallet come the end of the weekend, and they'd actually connected with their kids. And so that was um, that showed me that there was a real need in this community for some skills around actually getting back to basics, making those things that our grandmothers used to make that because we've all had to go out to work and families have split and have changed, that those things just don't happen anymore. So, you know, that was a really, really rewarding thing to do. And, you know, I've been since asked to do it again. So, um, yeah, I just, I love that opportunity to create magical memories around the table. It's fantastic. I'm quite taken by the bags of apple smiths with recipes that you've just <laughs> describing before there's not a lot growing at the moment is there for you to take round to your neighbors no no there isn't and i think um there's lots of oranges you know lots of citrus where we are in the bay of plenty probably not so much in otago um so we're we you know we're we're a little bit lucky um in that way to be able to share what we have but um there are still apples in the supermarkets and, and things. So um, I did put my apple uh, lockdown apple cake up on my Facebook page a couple of days ago, and I've even got people in London making it. So there you go. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have George Benson, the greatest love of all. Why this? This song really speaks to my heart, and I've always said this is my funeral song because I really do believe that children are the future. And if we don't look after them and um, 
build them up to be all that they can be, that then we're failing them, really. Um, and it's all about, I think I feel that the song's all about um, learning to love ourselves. I'm, I'm damn sure that our suicide rate in New Zealand wouldn't be what it is if we all just learned that, that little thing, just that, learning to love ourselves. children are our future teach them well and let them lead the way show them all the beauty they possess inside give them a sense of pride to make it easier let the children's laughter remind us how we used to be. Everybody's searching for a hero. People need someone to look up to. I never found anyone who fulfilled my need. A lonely place to be. So I learned to depend on me.
seen lots of changes over the last year and a half what do you think is what do you think is going to stick what do you hope will stick connection um and maybe people realizing life in the fast lane ain't that great stepping back a little bit looking after the people around us and and the places that we love to be the places that uh, make our hearts sing looking after the beaches and the trails and um yeah those that are in our in our space and and being a little bit more community focused those are the things that i hope will stick we talk a lot about being able to breathe and um enjoy time with family i know in some families that's not the case i know that you know, abuse in some situations increases when people don't have that opportunity to get out of that space. So I'm just hoping that uh, we're able to look over the fence, you know, and where I live, I have black power living next door. Um, And we've connected, and that's great. So um, it's, it's about caring for everyone in our in our environment. Those are the things that I hope that we've learned through this time. Reconnecting, making a difference. I think it's interesting that the the time of the lockdowns in particular, when connecting is what we can't do, has really shown us that that's what we need to be doing. I just think we're really fortunate, and we talked before about the digital age, that we have this ability to connect through our social media platforms, telephones, um, you know, we've got television broadcasts that are keeping us up to date with what's going on. If you think back to wartime and depression years and other things that have happened that have been catastrophic in the last century, that ability to do that wasn't there. And I think that's where we're really, really fortunate that we can check in with people loved ones, people that we really appreciate having in our lives all around the world, not just in our own communities. And you're right, connection is so, so important to all of us. We need to feel that we're part of something bigger. What do you think we can learn from the pandemic or the pandemic response for the the bigger sorts of questions that we face on a societal global scale i'm thinking of things like climate change and biodiversity those are really big questions for me (laughs) Um, it's like what is the meaning of life what can we learn um tread carefully treat each other with respect treat our environment with respect learn learn about science I don't think we've given enough thought to how much difference the science, the makeup of our world is today. So I have some questions to end the show with. Yep. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Oh, wow. Oh, biggest success. What is success? It's whatever you would like it to be. What is success? Gosh. Um, I've faced some pretty big hurdles in the last few years. Um, you know, I've, I've, I'm a cancer survivor. Um, I have a really privileged role in the community as a celebrant, um, bringing people together and also creating amazing farewells for them when they leave this world. Um, those, 
all of those things are successful for me. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? My superpower? Wow. Um, gosh. Uh, my ability to nurture people, I think. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Um, quite a quiet activist. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, I, I think I mentioned before, I, I really want, I've always wanted to make a difference in the space where I see injustice. Um, it's something growing up in, I grew up in Pukekohe in South Auckland, lucky enough to have a multicultural environment. My neighbours were Chinese. I played hockey. Most of my hockey team were Indians. In the summer when I played softball, a lot of the girls were Tongans or Samoans. Um, the, the kids I went to primary school were all from Māori families. Um, I just think that that was a real um, bonus for me because I learnt so many differences but actually we're all the same so what's the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or two growing old gracefully <laughs> no I, i'm I, i'm looking forward to home ownership again if that's possible for me um and uh you know i reached that clip the golden ticket this year so um being able to spend a little bit more time doing the things that i really love i like you know my arts um i like doing a bit of clay work i'm currently learning upholstery um i love dressing up in my spare time i'm a steampunker and i still volunteer for lots of things so um yeah that connection with people the connection with community being able just to play a part, being being one piece in the jigsaw that makes up our community. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? With regard to the pandemic? Anything you like. Learn to make bread. <laughs> Making bread is one of the most therapeutic things anyone could do. And create a garden. Yeah. Learning to make bread. I think that's, it's a really basic thing. You know, I can remember sneaking downstairs in a Riyadh in Morocco and watching a young girl at 5am in the morning making bread. And I just thought, you know, around the world, we don't do it that differently. And it's such an essential part of our lives. Thank you for that. Yeah, learn to make bread. Moera. What I love about making bread is that you can make mistakes when you make bread and it's still going to be something. It doesn't yes, matter. It it's not perfect. Just try and yeah. try and try and you'll yeah. get it right. And sometimes when you think you're really good at it, you'll still get it wrong. But it's just one of those beautiful metaphors for life, really, isn't it? It is. I agree. Mm. I agree. Rosemary, um, I'm really lucky to know you and uh, and our listeners got to know a little bit about you today but you're you're an extraordinary role model for so many women in our community thank you for everything that you do and please keep doing it Kilda. thank you Marweta. it's been a real privilege for me to share this time with you both today thank you thank you
You have been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We are broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Farrell Williams. Happy. I'm Jim Lanazoy's Bade in Eden, and I have been joined by Mawa Karatai and Rosemary Sloman in Fakatari. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.